Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Ball. The excitement is brought to you by Red IQ. Check them out. They turned operating data for apartments into actionable intelligence. Check them out at RedIQ.com. Well, today we're talking about retail and retail real estate. And one of the big factors that everyone reads about and hears about and, and worries about, I guess, if you will, is our retail bankruptcies. Some of these retailers, especially some of the larger ones with, with a lot of stores going bankrupt, how is that impacting landlords? How are landlords preparing for it? What's it doing to the marketplace and out there? And if you are a tenant, uh, what are some aspects you should consider regarding if you're having problems or considering bankruptcy. Well, please welcome my next guest. He's an expert on the topic. His name is Craig Gantz, and Craig is a partner with Ballard Spar, and he's joining us on the phone. Craig, thanks for joining us, sir. Michael, thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about this. First of all, this is something you guys do. You're headquartered in Phoenix. You help clients all over uh, the country. And when you see bankruptcies in retail, you know, as we say, we're, we all hear about it, read about it. We're seeing it with our, in our own projects that we're handling. What's the velocity of this? Is this, is this still picking up steam? Is this, is this, what do you see there? Look, I think we've got here an overused term that, uh, frankly, I think the folks in my sector are getting sick of called the retail apocalypse. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a catchy term in a sense, uh, especially for the minds of the people that are in the forefront of this, this industry. And, you know, certainly there's a lot to be said for that term. I mean, if you look at 2018, we had some pretty significant bankruptcies when you look at Sears and Mattress Firm, Brookstone, you had Claire's, um, you had Bonton that, that came down the pike. And to be honest, what's surprising now when you ask specifically about the velocity, uh, I think it uh, is either staying pace or increasing. Typically, we have Q1 as a modest time for bankruptcies and, and retail bankruptcy filings, but we've already had Diesel come down the pike, Charlotte Russe come down the pike, Full Beauty Brands. We have Payless coming down, which we now call a Chapter 22 since it's filed uh, twice already in, the, uh, in, the, in recent times here. You've got Things Remembered that, that has also started uh, – uh, it's Chapter 11 proceedings, and, and also important, you've got some of these big boxes that continue to, to file. Shopco filed right at the beginning of this year, and Shopco, for those folks that don't have one near them, are usually located in, in some pretty rural areas. Um, they originally had, um, I think, more than 250 stores. They said through the bankruptcy they were going to whittle it down to 100 uh, and they just recently announced, I think it was as early as this week or possibly late last week, that they're now shutting these locations in its entirety. So to specifically answer your question, uh, I, I don't see it dropping off, and I, I think it's only going to continue on. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate, and, and it's also interesting to see how it impacts different uh, owners and different properties. And, you know, for some owners, hey, let's get rid of this tenant, get a better tenant in there, and and, and it's an opportunity for them. And, and for some, it's, it's, it's pretty devastating. What are some of the things that you're seeing as far as the impact for landlords? So we've got kind of an inverse correlation here in a way where we've got these bankruptcies and we've got the retail sector that some people would say are, is starting to kind of fall off. You've got other numbers here on the retail sector in general saying that 
it's thriving and, and, and maybe going through more of a metamorphosis than any sort of death in a way. I, you know, I think there's, there's a Cicero quote that says, the life of the dead is placed in the memory of the living. And that's, that's really what you see when you see the death of Circuit City and Radio Shack and Shopco and uh, you know, survivors like Walmart and Best Buy and Home Depot that are kind of learning the lessons from those folks. But what I think is, is interesting here and why I said you've kind of got this inverse correlation is you, you have this decline in a certain sector of the retail market, yet a increase uh, by most metrics that we look at in the real estate market as a whole. So a good example of that would be the mattress firm bankruptcy, where that was essentially a full payment. And what the tenants were told and the landlords were told was, hey, look, we can vacate and leave, and we'll pay you 100% of the damages that you're owed under the bankruptcy code if we leave, or we can negotiate some sort of reduced rate. Now, for the first time in recent memory, we had several clients that looked at this and said, wait, so I can get them out, and I'm using hypotheticals, obviously. We can get them out of here at $4 a square foot, get our damages, which will essentially compensate us in some cases for at least a year, and then bump the rent up to seven, eight, nine dollars a square foot. So it's a windfall for them. It's, it's unprecedented. It, it's not heard of in most bankruptcies because Usually the bankruptcies and the, the economic downturn that we had in kind of the sevens, the eights, and nines there, uh, the real estate prices plummeted as well. So it was putting the landlords in a really precarious position. But in this instance, it was actually a windfall because of rising uh, real estate rates and, and lease rates. And I guess you've also seen it go the other way, right, where it's pretty devastating for a landlord maybe they lose a, a major tenant, and uh, now they have problems with the others, right? Of course, and I think the flip side to that story is something like Toys R Us, where uh, the landlords held on for as long as they possibly could. I think there was um, a lot of hope that Toys R Us, and again, that big box, would uh, be filled uh, either by Toys R Us or some sort of equivalent that would emerge out of bankruptcy, and that just didn't happen. And so there is a big push right now to try to fill uh, those big boxes that have caused by these bankruptcies, like I had mentioned before, dating in a little bit with Circuit City and Radio Shack, but more recently with, with Sports Authority and some of these Sears locations. But again, some of this news when big box retailers file for bankruptcy, it doesn't happen overnight most of the time. The writing's on the wall. I, you know, It almost feels like Sears... Uh, has been in bankruptcy for five years, even though they just recently filed. And it gave time for landlords to prepare, to make backup plans, and start looking at what we're going to fill those big box locations with. And that's where you see the emergence of these gyms and some of these entertainment centers like Dave & Buster's that are starting to, to come in and some of the dine-in theaters to create a, a different kind of experience. And that goes back to what I was saying before, where we're looking at more of a metamorphosis rather than a death. Right. And preparing for replacement tenants is one thing, but um, Craig, what is your advice to prepare unfinancially for for this bankruptcy? If you see a tenant that is having problems, or maybe you're hearing rumors that they're going to file bankruptcy, and maybe they're they're a smaller tenant, or maybe they're a large chain, what should a owner, a landlord, think about doing at that point? I think you need to assess immediately whether this is a long-term viable tenant. And then I think you need to 
put pen to paper and, and scratch out the numbers and see, are there concessions, are there agreements that you can uh, negotiate with this tenant that will potentially keep them out of bankruptcy? Or can you negotiate as a landlord, essentially, your own prepackaged bankruptcy, kind of on a micro level, and get a deal in place that is going to make sense for everyone. You know, when, when some of these landlords are looking at their overall leases, can I get to a situation where, yes, I may need to take a rent reduction on the short term, but can I add term to this deal that will make it look more favorable in light of a potential uh, cap rate compression? Right. And when do they need to get counsel uh, to handle this? You know, I, I would say that once you start getting into the situation where you have um, arrearages, when you've got monetary defaults, when it looks like the writing's on the wall, you know, again, if it smells like the tenant's in trouble, then the tenant is probably in trouble, and, and I, would, I would hire counsel at that point uh, for no other reason than to review your default and look at the default and make sure that you have all your rights and remedies lined up and also that you're in a good place to negotiate with this tenant either on the front end or if it's going into the bankruptcy that you know what your options are and you have a, a full picture of what uh, the tenant's financial position is before you're jumping into the kind of bankruptcy waters there. Yeah, well that makes sense and you know everyone knows that some of the problems from these retailers are, are internet based and the internet's uh, we're all buying things online. Um, and some of these tenants just really haven't kind of moved with the times. Uh, but also, what do you say to the folks who say, hey, some of these private equity firms uh, coming in and leverage, leveraging up these companies uh, are part of the problem? You know, I, I think it's a good story. And again, like the phrase retail apocalypse, uh, we like to glum on to potential stories where we've got a big bad entity doing <laughs> terrible things to the small folks. But I, I think the the arguments there or the discussions there, the topics that have been brought up are, are slightly over-exaggerated because I personally do not see any actions that the private equity groups are taking that they haven't been doing for decades. Private equity groups traditionally come in and create a leverage transaction on their buyout. Um, you know, proof that, that there really is, is not a lot of wrongdoing is you've seen a lot of situations where uh, through the bankruptcy, the private equity sponsor uh, has been sued. And they've tried to go after them for bad faith dealings or their dealings within the company and the way they're leveraging and how they're leveraging and how they're making distributions and how they're um, distributing certain dividends. And the majority of those cases have gone absolutely nowhere within the, within the, the bankruptcies. And I think it's easy to point the blame on the private equity groups rather than pointing blames on other factors that cause these bankruptcies. And you know, a lot of the issues that we look at, yes, Amazon's low-hanging fruit, but we do have rising interest rates, and, and money's not getting any cheaper. We're still, you know, by all means at historical lows, but that has caused some of these equity sponsors to take a second look as the money starts uh, rising. You know, you, you've also got a situation where um, a good argument that we're oversaturated in, in retail in a lot of ways, and you had the 80s and 90s where you saw tremendous development of these traditional malls, and, and in a lot of towns where they just didn't need six malls. And so to, to blame it all on the private equity group, I think, is, is, is misleading, quite frankly, unfair, where I think there are a lot of other, other causes there. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. uh, in the most part, the companies, you know, they, they decided to do this. I mean, I, I had someone make an offer to, 
to buy unsolicited offer to buy my company and I asked him just his curiosity how are you going to fund it he said oh Michael I'm just going to go get a loan I'm going to based on your numbers <laughs> I'm like well you know I could do that and uh, right. I can still own the company uh, I don't want to leverage my company uh, like that so uh, well Craig what would you leave our audience with to consider and think about related to bankruptcy and uh, retail and, and the market we see today you know, I, I would really say, I think I'd start with, it's not going away. Um, I'm not sure that I would take the opinion that it's accelerating, but it's it's certainly going to stay consistent uh, with the way we were in 2018. And I would also, I think, encourage uh, the folks listening as well to really take a good hard look on what segments and what industries they're looking at putting in as far as their tenants. And, and you know, we're having a relative shift on what sort of tenants are the successful tenants and what sort of tenants we're looking at that could find their way into into bankruptcies. You know, you've you've got a real fundamental shift on these big boxes, like I said, on on who's going to take those going forward. We've got examples of Pier 1 and Models on the bankruptcy uh, scenarios here that look like they are starting to prepare for bankruptcy. So I would be concerned on who we're looking at as far as big boxes and what segments of the retail industry we're fitting into the tenants as kind of a... Uh, a parting message to your audience. Yeah, well, that's a good one, Craig. I like it because you know retail, I think, is one of those property types where there's a lot of opportunities, uh, but you really need to underwrite every tenant in every industry and consider the impact there. Craig, good information, sir. Thank you for joining us. Michael, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like to more information from Craig Gantz, his uh, law firm's uh, practice is Ballard Spar, that's S-P-A-H-R. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. Incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International. For facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com. Your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ. Turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com.